0: Doc with Pastor Troy. We're in the studio here, ready to go. You can join us anytime at onthedoc.org. Check us out Tuesday and Thursday. We drop our releases. We've got new ones coming at you. So check those out. We're always about having these conversations to propel your faith out of the shallows and into the deep. We are in the latter part of the afternoon. We're all getting weary. We all could use a fresh crown brew, some coffee up in this place, but we're going to power through this incredible episode, and we're going to get you there. We know that you're out there listening to us and you're counting on us to get you off the dock and into the, the deep. So get us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, as well as Google play, Facebook, Roku rumble and sermonette love to have you hit subscribe and notify, especially on that YouTube channel. We're trying to push those numbers up and you can reach out to us on our social media partners, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, telegram, and getter. And, uh, throughout the, the show, uh, Lucas can pop up. Can you still, are you still able to put up those, those social media things on the bottom? Yeah. My, my,
1: my lower thirds are broken right now. Oh and yeah. They're, they're not, they're not popping up. I know. I don't, I don't, I
0: don't know why. I know. But, so you weren't bringing those yeah. up. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I gave you a couple of cues and I thought, well, I've been mean to ask you about that. Yeah. So. I will figure it out for next time. Yeah. So. He'll figure it out though. But in the meantime, we can, I can bring this slide back occasionally, but go to our social media partners and you can get to us that way. Hit subscribe, like notify and all those things and tell other people about it. You can become a Patreon partner or sponsor for platforms for partnering three platforms for sponsoring, go to Patreon on then my Patreon uh, download and check that out. You can also get to it by going to doc.org You can link over that way to our Patreon site as well as to all of our platforms will get you there. Or you can email us at info at doc.org Okay. Got in-studio mother Beth still with me. You still here? I'm still here. Got Turn your microphone. I know, yeah, I you know, the, the the barrel, the barrel of mic has yes, got to point yes, at yes, your yes, face. Yes. Yeah. You I got, know. you got it over here at the wall. I mean, they, I mean, these guys spend a lot of money, put that microphone right there and she's like, got it pointed like you le- Yeah, the electrical outlet. No wonder we have buzzing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people just, I have no home training when it comes to microphones. All it, right. It, you gotta go home with that You gotta one. go home with it. Yeah. <laughs> you better watch it. Donna <laughs> Curtis across the table, reinforcements for Mother Beth. Uh, it's just like, I don't know. Somehow that's just never affected his thought process. I know. Well, that's because I sleep with one eye open. You I'm must. Highly protected. They got the one little toothpick. I put it in there. And there. I got Lucas over there. Lucas, you doing okay? Lucas having a little snack? we well, yeah, doing great. Yeah, yeah. We don't get to eat on this set. He's only knew do what he wants. On the I know. I'm head. hungry too. Yeah. We're, he's made Gosh. us hungry now. We're going to go eat next time. <laughs> you want to uh, share? We're but Lucas here. Know? Our techno wizard executive director. He's directing the whole show today. He'll be with us here as we get through our next incredible episode. We're so glad you're joining us here on the dock. We're in our Micah live humbly and on the dock super season digging deeper in the word series. It's a season two series. So you're going to watch us digging deeper. We're all about getting in the word. We've done. A Colossian series. Now we're in our part three of our Micah series. Great series going on here. We're going to get into the second cycle today, and we're looking at Micah chapter three, verses one through twelve, in part three of this series. So that's where we are. Now we did some homework for you while we were gone. Let me let me get the right kind of graphic up here. Uh, when I when I left the series before we talked to you in part two, we gave you two pieces of information. One piece of information was we said that the national debt uh, that we're in, we're, we went from being a creditor nation where we helped other people to. Being a detonation where we owe everybody and we basically have mortgaged ourselves out of existence we got second third and fourth mortgages so mother beth dug into her incredible uh phone there and did some internet research and came out with the fact that guys would you believe this we went from like a 17 to 20 to like 30 trillion in just about three or four years here it's been crazy but in 2019 the debt per person ratio here's what here's what you owe lucas because lucas is a household of one yeah. So, Lucas, we, in 2019, you would need to write a check for $70,776 to settle our national debt. Mm. You got that, Can I'm, I'm good. Would you prefer I'm, cash? I, I, I will opt out. You Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in 2020, listen to this, one year later, one year later, it's 84675 You owe another
1: $14,000. How is that possible?
0: We spent a lot of money helping people with COVID three or four trillion dollars, do you divide that by three hundred and fifty million people? It's a lot of money. You think about that, a lot of money.
2: Well my household of three, I owe two hundred and fifty four thousand dollars and I'll just write a check.
0: No, no, no. no. And well, there you go. Good you, luck you, Yeah, you write a check. There yeah. You, you write that, that, you write that check. Give us that special check. Now run. And run it. Can you imagine the banks getting hit with all those checks in one day? The, the only people who win if we had to write those checks would be the banks because the insufficient funds draft overdrafts would be about 50 bucks per person. The banks would be rich. Have you noticed the nicest buildings being built banks in our community are all the, the banks, banks are rich. The banks are building beautiful buildings. Look, listen. 2022. So Lucas, you want to know what you owe in 2022? It goes ninety ninety one thousand three hundred and ninety eight dollars. Yikes! I mean, I mean, Yikes. I mean, and this is here's what the household value would be for the the average per household. If you just divide by the number of households in America, every household owns two hundred owes two hundred and thirty three thousand nine hundred ninety one dollars. So every fam every household owes almost a quarter of a million dollars. So uh, Donna cough it out. Just a check. Mother Beth, write that check for us. Do you not think we're in trouble? I mean, at some point in time, I mean, nobody wants to loan you more money. And if they do loan you, the interest rates are so high, this number gets faster, higher, quicker. That's why interest rates are going back up. We're having inflation. There's
2: no trouble. We've got headphones on.
0: We we got our headphones (laughs) on. Then the second thing, the second controversy we created in part two was I quoted uh, somebody at the council meeting at Carbondale on that May 24th meeting made a comment that the Bible tells people how to properly do abortions. Uh, and it gives a chemical formula for the priest to do abortions. And Donna did some research on that in numbers, chapter five, verses 11 through 31. It talks about when a woman is believed to be unfaithful in her marriage, she's conceit. They believe she's pregnant or has a child. I don't, I don't know if it says that she's actually pregnant there. Does it? No, it doesn't say she's actually pregnant. It just says that she's brought, And there's an accusation that she's had an affair. And it says that the priest if she says that I've, I have but then other witness says she hasn't, then he's to take holy water and mix some dust from the tabernacle into it. So it's like a little bit of dirty water, right? And she's to drink it. And then she's supposed to swear that she didn't do this. If she didn't do it, she's going to be well, right? If she did it, the Bible says that her belly will swell. And that her, 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 uh, her, I guess I did it say shrivel her, her wound would shrivel. The NIV says that she could even miscarry. Now, several versions don't use that language, but this is assuming that she's had an affair, that she's lied about the affair. She's standing before God saying, I didn't have the affair," and God's saying, if you're lying, you're not going to be blessed for your, for your, for what's happened, I wouldn't, I, I never defined an abortion as a miscarriage no and a miscarriage is an abortion a miscarriage is and to me is an i, I i'll say this fairly well, that, it, it's a painful moment but it is an act of god because something i'm not saying god causes it but something in the system's not right and and, and the child doesn't make it to full term and i'm not saying that's a blessing it's a miserable thing beth and i've been through that with 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 uh with our one of our kids and it's the most painful thing in the world but we are reminded that that child is with god and we're also reminded that the reason there was a miscarriage is because something in the child's development would not allow to exist outside the mother's womb. Mm-hmm. And right. so to me, that's an act of God. And it, and it can be traumatic. I understand that there's lots of ways, but it's one thing about something not happening because God, it, it, it's, it's in God's hands. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to take our hands and stop it. And there's nothing in this text that mentions anything about a person causing the abortion.
2: Well, right, the priest's intent is to shed light on the lie.
0: And it's saying if you right. if you're lying about this, you will be cursed in the fruit of your womb, whether the future or the current, it will be revealed by God. And this is an act of God, what's going to take place. Mm-hmm. And it's based on God holding us accountable to saying what we said, we we're going to said, I don't mm-hmm. think you can justify this as a use that God has some way to con- conveniently do abortions. And if that were the case, so let me make this offer. I would be glad for us to allow that to take place. You can use Numbers 5, 11 through 31 as your formula. So, we won't have the Memphis Clinic for Reproductive Health come here. We'll just have people take their bottled water and put a little dirt in it and drink it and see how that works for those that need the choice of life. And then, if God decides he wants to terminate that life, then it will be in God's hands, not our hands. So, if that's the alternative, I'll take that because I believe that God's justice will always be better than ours. So if they want to do that, that's fine. Let them use the dirty water method. Um, But I I got a feeling for you that I think most of us in this room, you ladies, have all drunk a little water with a little dirt in it. Um, Your mom's after all, and it just happens. You know, dust is in the air, and so we're talking about here an act of God for a whole different purpose. And this is. Taken extremely out of mm-hmm. context. And, yeah, that, so typical yeah. of that. Very, very typical. So I yeah. uh, just wanted to point that out. But that's you can go check that out yourself. So uh, Micah chapter three. We're in Micah chapter three. We're gonna hit today the second cycle. The second cycle right here of Micah's prophecy is in three through five fifteen. Some of this is the the speaking to the leaders, which is gonna be great because we're gonna see that he not just holds us accountable, but he takes a look at those that lead the, the carriage that drive the wheel. God has got a special uh, responsibility to those that lead uh, the nation, whether it be to good or to bad. So let's take a look at Matthew, uh, Micah, Matthew, Micah chapter three, verses one through 12. Let me read that just to get us started off in the word right now. Here we go. Matthew chapter three, new living translation. I said, listen, you leaders of Israel, you are supposed to know right from wrong. He's talking to the leaders very clearly there, but you are the very ones who hate good and love evil. You skin my people alive and tear the flesh from their bones. Man, that's violent. Yes, you eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones. You chop them up like meat for the cooking pot. In other words, people are just being used. People are just being used. Verse 4. Then you beg the Lord for help in times of trouble. Do you really expect him to answer? After all the evil you have done, he won't even look at you. That's leaders get to the point where that God won't even be there for them. That's scary. Number five, verse five. This is what the Lord says. You false prophets are leading my people astray. You promise peace for those who give you food, but you declare war on those who refuse to feed you. Now the night will close around you and cutting off all your visions. Darkness will cover you, putting an end to your predictions. The sun will set for you prophets and your day will come to an end then you seers will be put to shame and you fortune tellers will be disgraced and you will cover your face because there is no answer from god god's not going to help people that do things wrong basically here let's go to the next one but as for me, I am filled with the power, with the spirit of the Lord. I am filled with justice and strength to boldly declare Israel's sin and rebellion. Listen to me, you leaders of Israel, you hate justice and twist all that is right. Why we live right there today. You are building Jerusalem on a foundation of murder and corruption. You rulers make decisions based on bribes. You priests teach godly laws for only for a price. So he's talking about spiritual leaders, but also the world, the national leaders, and you prophets won't prophesy unless you're paid. Yet all of you claim to depend on the Lord. No harm can come to us, you say, for the Lord is here among us. And because of you, Mount Zion will be plowed like an open field, Jerusalem will be reduced to ruins, and a thicket will grow on the heights where the temple now stands. He's telling the leaders, you have. And whether you are a, a, a political leader, whether you are a religious leader, whether you are a, a, a social leader, you are going to be held responsible for where you have misled the people into disaster. And in the end, he said there's going to be nothing left of your society as a result of that. What 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 a challenge. That's cycle two. He's calling for judgment along, upon the leaders. What do you guys think about the fact that, that, that in this text? Micah, on behalf of God, he's speaking for God, that he is so hard on the leader. What do you guys think about that? I mean, he's only talking to them. He's not. He talked to all of us in the first one, but he's He's right at the leaders. Do you, do you think God's gonna hold leaders more responsible, or at least at a, at a leadership level responsibility for the state of where we are today? Of course. And he, he doesn't just mention the leaders politically, he mentions spiritual leaders, mm-hmm. political leaders, uh, fortune tellers, anybody out there that's claiming that they have advanced knowledge, he's calling them all the accountability.
2: Well, it, it's not the first time nor the last time that, that leaders are distinguished to uh, bear a bigger responsibility, thus a bigger um, judgment against them. Do you, mean, th-
0: do you think he's gonna hold our, leadable, our leaders today, today as accountable as he would of the people of Micah? Do you think God's going to have a place to do you think he's going to give him an exemption or do you think he's going to because think of how many people I think about how many people even today is bombastic of a society as we have and, and how people are kind of deniers of the things of God, or, or if I am a Christian, I'm not that I'm not one of you Al Qaeda Christians that believe in the Bible. I'm one of these synchronized fusion Christians that's kind of civilized. And, but think about how many of our, our politician leaders will run for mayor, run for governor, run for president, run for whatever. And the first thing they tell you that you see on Sunday is where, where they go to church. Oh, I'm a Christian, I go to this church, I go to that church. But then their platform will be completely inconducive with that philosophy. I'm not picking on any side of the aisles here. I'm talking to all of them. All of them will tell you, oh, I go to the first so-and-so church and I go to that. And you, you'll see that. Even, even amongst the ones you think that aren't, they all, you know, largely all of them will put out something like that because they want people to see them as kind of God-fearing people, you know? But then God, is, he's saying here, uh, I know when you're really God-fearing and when you're not really God-fearing. You can't fake it.
2: I think it'll be worse because for one, our leaders now, their influence is bigger. They're with the advent of all of our media. and, and It's the way, so much stronger, isn't it? Right. And that the words of Micah are Old Testament, correct? Absolutely. We are now post-Jesus. Absolutely. So, yeah, he's
0: pre-Jesus. So you, you can almost like give them a little more. They don't have social media. They, right. they, they've got the basic Old Testament and and, and they're, they're going to get destruction and come back. But we've actually seen destruction, destruction again, mm-hmm. and Jesus come back, and we're still not getting it. Right. Right. You, these guys are on the this side of the prophecy right. of what's going to happen. See, I told right. you so. We see, I told you so, twice now. We saw it with with the with through Micah's story and the fall. But then we see Jesus come, and the temple falls again in 70 AD mm-hmm. and we see you know Christianity you know fall again there, and then a rebirth of it later on with with Rome and 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 mm-hmm. and, the, and all that mm-hmm. development. But literally here. They have no perspective of this, but yet I don't think God's gonna hold, I think, matter of fact, God may hold us more accountable. Yeah. 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 Listen to you leaders of Israel, you're supposed to know right from wrong. Leaders should know right from wrong. You're the very ones who hate good and love evil. And he basically then goes in verse two, two B and C and three, he just talks about destroying, eating the people literally. You know, now what you don't know is, is that metaphorically, no question about it, but it's actually true when Jerusalem was going to fall and they were being held captive, they began to eat people and bodies because meat was so scarce in the siege that they actually ate each other to survive. And who ate each other? The people that were in charge would, would, would take the poor and the children. and, and, And so not only is it, metaphorically true, but it actually happens. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And you read when the to and it says that that, that, that you know, women will exchange their children, I'll eat, will eat yours today. Tomorrow you eat yours. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's yeah. very bad. The sieges of Jerusalem were horrendous when Assyria and Babylon, when Babylon came, yeah, there were very bad things that were done in, in that time. And it was prophesied that it would get so bad because of the leader's lack of faith that people would be reduced to savages. And when you, when you leave God, you become savage. And and, and and look at verse four, after all the evil you've done, He won't even look at you. God God doesn't even, I'm not saying God doesn't feel sorry for the state of our soul, but but He's not even gonna be wanting to help because you've reaped what you have sown. Right. God, we do have free will, and, and we have to take responsibility for, for what we have chosen uh, to do, I think, at some times. And, and I love what God does here. God says in this, basically, let me summarize this here, I gotta get the right thing here. Oh, I'm just got all kinds of slide issues here. Um, oh, there it is. There it is. God declares basically that there's going to be this day of accountability's coming. There's a day coming where he is going to, he's going to make things right that are wrong. He's going to settle the score and our actions will have consequences and how we treat others will be visited upon us by God. I think that was true then. And it did happen. I think it'll be true today how we abuse and misuse how we treat the innocence of people. I think and conversely, if we've treated people bad racially, if we've treated people bad sexually, if we've, if we've deprived people of being seen as equal in God, God's eyes and, and of sacred worth in our neighbor, I think God's gonna hold us responsible there. I think a lot of people when they get into some of these discussions they go, well, what about racism? Or what about sexism? I think we're gonna be held responsible for all those things. Mm-hmm. It, it just it depends on who's having the conversation at what time, what the hot point is, but God's gonna hold us for, responsible for not loving God and not loving our neighbor. Yeah. And and in that neighbor, it doesn't matter what color they are or what sex they are. We're still, still supposed to love them. Yeah. And if they have a different sexual preference, we're still supposed to love them. Yes, right. We don't necessarily have to agree with them, or and, and we can tell them, "Hey, God's going to hold you accountable for that, and you you have a right to do that." But but and, and I'm not being intolerant. You can do all you want, but God will be intolerant of anything that's unholy.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. As
0: for me and my house, we've decided we're going to go God's way because we just decided that we're going to put our trust in Him. And it may seem narrow to you, but it seems like the only path for us to get to the kingdom of God. Yeah. And some people go, well, you're just being bigoted and narrow-minded. Yes, I'm doing what God said because I believe it's the only path for me. And I don't think we have to be apologetic. God's clearly, if you read these texts that we're into, God is very much into uh, retribution. It sounds terrible, but God's going to get, he's going to settle accounts. He looks at what's happening to children and people and people being taken advantage of and leaders living off the welfare. Guys, we owe 91,000 per person, 233,000 per household. Guys, we're spending money on things we shouldn't be spending money on. There's just so much of this. I I can't even believe that. I bet, I bet 80% of this is stuff we didn't really have to have or need. And it's really created so people's industries can be, be fed by it. We all know, that there's this constant need and cycle to generate billions of money, whether it be defense industry or whether it be medical industry, there are some industries that are just living off of the government. And there's so many, you've got so many Congressmen, so many senators, so many of these leaders that go into their position as normal people with normal incomes. And you get somebody like, 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 current leaders. And when they've been in leadership 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you look at their worth and they're now worth $100 million. And when you calculate what they make as a sitting Senator or a sitting representative, it's impossible. All they could be is honestly living in DC, they probably should be in debt. Yeah, because it's one of the most expensive places to live on the planet, mm-hmm. Washington DC. Mm-hmm. And they're living there. And they, they're making a, a, a congressman's salary, go look at it. It's not much. It's not even great. Maybe we need to pay them a lot better, so they don't have to do all this lobbyists and all this other stuff. Yeah, so but a
1: lot of this money is going into. their. Pockets. A lot of this money's
0: going to companies and firms that they're going to be on boards and they're going to be on things on, and, and they've bought stock in, and, and the contractors that, you know, it, so much of this seems to be just filthy, dirty, and in the end, it's costing each one. it costs Lucas 91,398. That's eating the flesh. It means if he gave everything he had, he still couldn't pay this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: we can't pay this i can't pay this i i guess you could take beth and i could pay ours you you'd have to take 70 percent of our retirement then how do we live then and at the rate we're accruing it at the this is a little 14 thousand ten thousand j- jump a year we there'll be no retirement by the time we're 15 more years from now Mm-hmm. So basically all our retire so it will be like Soylent Green or, or Luke, uh, what was that? Logan's run. We'll have to report to the uh, carousel so we can go up in there and be destroyed because there'll be no life for us beyond 65, because we'll have no value left. Nothing left to spend. We'll just have to be Soylent Green. They're eating people. <laughs> that famous line. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what Soylent Green is, go, go somewhere and watch it on YouTube. So, But I mean, I'm just concerned about the fact that people will have, I mean, honestly, We have lower value right now than what our our debt's worth. I mean, we we are just fodder and God is going to hold people accountable for spending our grandchildren's grandchildren into oblivion. Not just that he's going to hold them accountable for the sins and the moral decay of the society that makes it even worse and restoration. But God's justice is also restoration. So while God's going to hold us accountable, we're also told in Micah. So you hear the rebuke, but then we're, in a minute we're going to get to the we'll get to the hope side. He's also going to give a way out for people that are willing to trust him, and it's a narrow path, but he's willing to give a way out for that. Let's let's take a look at this here in uh, Micah chapter three five uh, through eight. This is what the Lord says: you, you false prophets are leading people astray. You promise people peace for those who give you food, but you declare war on those who refuse to feed you. Now the night will close around you, cutting off all your visions. That means God's going to quit speaking to these folks. Darkness will cover you, putting an end to your predictions. You're not going to be, you're not in control anymore. God's not going to bless them. The sun will set for you prophets. In other words, they're not going to have words of hope for the future. And your day will come to an end. Then you seers will be put to the shame. People trying to, to predict, and if you'll do this and you'll support us, you'll be okay. Even the fortune tellers will be disgraced and you will cover your face because there's no answer from God. There's gonna be a time Micah is saying to his people then your leadership is so bad that God is turning his back on you. And you're now going to be held to account. But the good thing is there's hope. We are in a time I think like this, where our society is beginning to synchronize and fusion itself into things that are anti godly. And at some point in time, God's going to say I know this country, this church that we're in today was blessed by me, but it's walked away from that. And I am going to disconnect from that. I don't know how much longer God can bless a church in America or an America experience that doesn't actually love God and love each other. How can he bless something that's contrary to him? Because he said, the text we read a minute ago, he said to the text earlier, let me get back to this one, it says in verse, uh, one, you're supposed to know right from wrong, but you are the very ones who hate good and love evil. What he says is upside down. If God would be to bless that, he would be God that would begin to love evil. Yeah, God has no choice but to pull back. We're forcing God's hands off us by our free will decision because we're saying, let go. You know, we're, we're walking away. I think it's a really scary thing. That I, is scary. I, God has a prophecy and, and God, it says, basically will not be as just now. He, he's just going to pull back. And look at verse 9. Listen to me, you leaders of Israel. You hate justice and you twist all that's right. You're building Jerusalem on a foundation of murder and corruption. If you build something on a foundation that's corrupt, that means it won't stand. So God's just saying it, I don't even have to do anything to you, just how you're building your society in Micah's time, it won't stand because the principles won't stand because God built this nation to have a certain core principle. And I think right now, as we locally, uh, as we in this modern time walk away from God's principle, it's not that God wants to knock it down, is it just won't stand. We're not built to stand with our headphones on, we're not built to run around, uh, ignoring injustice. Deep down inside us is a longing for justice and a longing for hope. And if we sedate ourselves enough, and we take just enough marijuana at the local store regularly, and we drink just enough stuff, and we watch just enough pornography, and we do just enough Netflix, and we just ignore just enough of it, it doesn't go away. It just gets thicker and deeper. And eventually people will do more harm and more harm to themselves. And we see people at the late rate of using meth and heavier drugs more than ever before. It's, and we see people going out, uh, we just, in, in the time of this broadcast, we have somebody that just shot up a school in Texas that killed 19 children and two two teachers. We don't know the motivation yet. We don't know anything. All we know is there's too much of people getting so bored and so tired of this life that they would go out and kill children. And then basically in their lives, Life has no value. They see no future in this. They, they obviously don't fear a hell and they don't respect God in heaven. Yeah. They have lost hope to the point that they would take children's lives in a school with your headphones on. Man, there's yeah.
1: no value in life. There's just for a lot of people for,
0: for a lot of people we've devalued because God is the center of life and in God there's life and it's God that gives us purpose and hope. And you disconnect far enough from that. You forget to remember that we are people that he loves dearly, that he, is, we are special people. Micah's people were special people. God set aside for a special mission and they only had to do one thing, obey his teachings and commands. They didn't do it. They failed to do it. He held them accountable. Jesus came so that we would have another chance too, that. We could repent of our sins, that we could follow his way. He says, I'm the way, the truth and life. And no one comes to the father except through me. He meant it. That means today as we reject Jesus and we reject the same thing of Micah, we do it a second time, basically. It's even worse because Micah didn't have the benefit of Jesus clarifying all this stuff. Mm -hmm. We have the benefit of Micah and Jesus, Mm -hmm. and we're going to reject and put our headphones on in this day in society. Yeah, it, it, it's a terrible and thing. All,
1: all the prophecies that we've seen fulfilled, and, and, yeah
0: yeah it's it's got to be worse so he judges the rulers verse 11 you rulers make decisions based on bribes how often do we hear about people in trouble for that you priests and bribes are not just they're getting paid it could be they're just getting rich off the schemes yeah you know you priests teach God's laws for a, for only a price how many pastors today are compromising the preaching of the gospel to make people's ears happy in their congregation because they're scared of what will happen mm-hmm. right? I've seen some of the greatest churches in the St. Louis region when we were starting churches up in Waterloo and Pawnee. We had great churches in St. Louis that were really hitting the gospel hard and they were independent churches and we would go visit them and and well over two thirds of those churches are now considered independent liberal churches, because they've turned their back on things such as marriage, Christian marriage, uh, the issue of of life, they've they've compromised and refused to speak about these things, and compromised on the issues of sexuality, according to God's will and command, because they're afraid of what members of their churches, employers will think, or or whether they would give, and we have good churches that have lost their way. And now they're places where they're preaching heresy, and a soft gospel that's been fused into the modern society to be intolerable, intolerable, and what was the lion of the tribe of Judah is now a domesticated house cat that's had its claws pulled. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I mean, it, it, and then there's a few churches that are holding the line, but those churches are isolated and considered to be neo-Nazi, white supremacist, <laughs> and, and that can be a black church that's that's standing on the gospel. They, they will call anybody anything and they'll call. <laughs> that one guy called those of us that have a biblical worldview, he says we're worse than Al Qaeda. I mean, just think about that. I mean, you rulers, you priests, a lot of them have given up for the price, you prophets won't prophesy unless you're paid. So I mean, yet all of you claim to depend on God and no harm can come to us. For the Lord is here among us. They're claiming all oh, we've got the Lord's will. But look at this. Look at verse 12. Because of you Mount Zion will be plowed. I mean, round up, kill it all. Plow it up, flip it over. Jerusalem will be reduced to ruins. A thicket will grow on the heights where the temple now stands, and that's exactly what happens. He prophesies this, and God brings the destruction of Babylon in there. And in seven, I think fifty-eight, and for, for Judah, seven hundred Judah, and then later on, five hundred uh, Israel. Uh, Jer- Israel falls in like 700s. Jerusalem falls in like 500s. It falls, and listen to this. Exactly when they came back to be, rebuild the temple, that's what they found: thickets and junk growing, jackals running around. The walls were completely down, so that every stone was down. They had to even reset the cornerstone. That was just in seventy years. God, God allowed that to happen. And fortunately, they came back out of Cyrus' time, and we have the story of Malachi, we have the story of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the temple, and Ezra the rebuilding. The, the Nehemiah rebuilds the city of David. Uh, Nehemiah. Re- Rebuild, let me get Nehemiah rebuilds the city and Ezra rebuilds the temple. We have the story of how God brings them back with that remnant of people. And here we are again. We're in the church that Jesus built. We're walking away, and we see the church in demise today. I'm not saying there's not good Christian folks out there. You're out there, you're listening on the dock, you're sharing it with other people. We're trying to maintain a status, but you could feel a fleeting of faith in our country. And we have got to make a stand. We've got to hold our ground. We've got to pray for priests that will preach the gospel, prophets that will speak for God. We've got to believe God for uh, people, what it say, rulers that will stand not for bribes, but will stand on the principles of God. We've got to see a turnaround. Now we're in that bad cycle. And if you look at this, if we stay like Micah is, and Micah leads to the certain death of Jerusalem, the certain death of Israel. Uh, Israel as well. Undoubtedly, don't you think if they did it, they would die. They did. If we do it, undoubtedly, where will we go? It was true, then do you think it'll be true today? Do you yeah. think if we keep degenerating, that will be prosperous? That will be blessed? Right, no. Right. And you can argue some people can argue that the United States is more blessed than ever because of the, what we have, we got our headphones on, we got our iPhone, we got our computer, we got a nice studio, we got satellite and everything else. But we actually owe everybody 91,000 a person to do this. So we actually don't have anything. We're just in debt for everything. Right. We've not just spent our money. We've spent our kids, kids, kids money on this. And like nobody at this table can just cough up a $233,000 check per household. Well,
2: it's degradation of the moral status as well. I mean, having the, the debt isn't really what measures our success or whether we're a great country or not. Yeah. We have uh, our moral standard has degraded so bad that life means nothing. I mean,
0: we've done everything for ourselves and we've lived like there's no tomorrow and we have no accountability. And we're medicating with everything
2: we can get our hands on to fill a hole. That's right. And we're failing.
0: And we're fa- it doesn't work because no. nothing fits in that hole but God. Mm-mm. And you know what the sad part is? There aren't people that we know, you know, in the world that can easily write that $233,000 check. Yeah. Now, I got thinking about this. You know who the people are that can write that? the people have been taking all the money, right? Yep. <laughs> they can easily write the check for this and go, I can sell that up. Yep. Because I've been getting the output of this, That's right. just to bring the balance back, it would be interesting. But but the bulk of the United States of America, people couldn't write it. The people that could write it, other people who have gotten rich off the backs of everything that had been sold and chopped up. Yep. Uh, it sounds really harsh. But I think it was true, then I think it will be true. Now. Absolutely. Listen, guys, God did not simply destroy Samaria and Jerusalem. He sent the Assyrians the, I mean, in mm. the Bible, they were wicked. I mean, he didn't just he he didn't just let them fall to an end. He he devastated them. It was it was bad, and I, I guess in some ways you can say he kind of. I mean, he used the plague think of this when God sought to separate Egypt from Israel, Israel from Egypt, he sent a plethora of disasters. And that happened when, when he punished Israel for their wickedness, he sent armies like Assyria and Babylon to separate them for their weakness. And other times he, he would lift his hand and he wouldn't bless a nation and they would have drought and famine and disease. And there's other ways God has used at times to correct nations that haven't followed in his ways. I, I just want to ask us the question here today. Are we, will we be sifted by God? Will God at some point in time kind of pour through us and our lives today? And, and, and will He look to see if what, is there anything in us that really is His? Are we His and is He ours? Are we really, is there anything of us that, that, that love Him? What would be found if He were to sift through my life, our family's lives, our, our, our Southern Illinois life, our our state, our nation, if he were to sift through today and go, I'm gonna sift through and find those things that are holy and just and righteous, what would be left? I mean, I I, I fathom, and I'm scared. I'm scared for myself that that we're so much around corruption that it's a challenging thing. So it really calls me to prayer to make sure, as for me and my house, that we serve the Lord, that Lord, it's very difficult to live in a life in a society that's so compromised. What a challenging thing to think about that God is actually gonna sift us, and he, he sifted them. And someday he's going to sift us, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and then he's going to hold us accountable. And and what would be found? And my thought process is if it weren't for Jesus Christ, I would have nothing of worth that could be found. Mm. And it's the the life of Christ in my life that would give me an actual chance. And there are choices that we are responsible for, and there are consequences. We live out based on our choices for others and our choices for ourselves and, and how will all that that pin out, you know. I really, I really want to look at that, and I think it's, I think it's a big question to ask. If, 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 if the sword cuts both ways, if the Lord were to look at me, what could I be doing better to help out, be a better witness, be a better leader for Christ in our community, and and help our nation turn toward God, or also, you know, how's God going to judge me for being a compromiser in leading us away? I think God's going to hold us responsible, and I do believe that our free will. It is, is at the core of it. Our free will is what it's all about. And so thank God he loves us enough that he gave us free will. And in the end, he gives us an ultimate plan. He gives us a plan that basically says that we get to determine whether we will be in the plan or not of the plan. As for me and my house, I get to decide. I didn't say it would be easier tomorrow than today because as society gets harsher, it gets difficult. Look, you had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and it, all we can see is there's four or five or six of those guys amongst a whole bunch of people that were that were bending their knees and bowing in the time of Nebuchadnezzar. There weren't a lot of people standing their ground. No. But the ones that stood their ground, God blessed. They went in the fire and they came out. Why? Because He was with them even in the fire. Mm -hmm. The reason there's remnant in the time of Micah is because God is still with the remnant, even in the time of fire. That's how they get through the wilderness and come back because even in the midst of a degradation of society, God is still with those few, because even the ones, the few that didn't bow and kiss the idol or didn't bend in, God still had their back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're even told in the final times in, 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 the book of revelations, Beth and I talk about this a lot, that yes, there'll be good people lost by bad people. But do you know where they go? Do you know where the people that are lost in in the Lord that are sacrificed by evil on behalf of, do you know where the martyrs of God go? Hmm. They go right under the, under throne. the throne of God. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting there where he's looking at them day and night, day and night, day and night. And he's saying in just a minute, I'm going to break the seal and I'm going to settle the accounts and you will be restored. Yeah. So everybody that's ever lost themselves, and they've, they've lost the battle here, has immediately gone into God's presence and know they're going to win. Because he's standing there saying, just hold on. Just hold on. So I don't have to worry about those that have fallen because God has got them. He is a God of retribution and a God of restoration. He's going to settle accounts and he's going to fix things. And we're going to, the first to rise are not those of us here. The first to rise are those under that altar. Yeah, The dead in Christ will rise. And we'll join them so there are choices and there is thing and free will is a real real key to that so i I think that's i think that's important to understand um let me see what else i got here i've got a couple more things here there was a great clip i played uh from in the in the um in when i did the series at the church i had a clip from the movie *The Adjustment Bureau*, do you remember the movie *The Adjustment Bureau*? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna wrap up with this, and we'll kind of get out of this in a minute. But *The Adjustment Bureau* is a great movie, and I want to play this clip from Matt Damon, and uh, and and it, it's a great, great clip because he's actually learning out that that he's being told here that everything's being managed. But hey, check check this out. I think I think I think it'll help you. Watch watch this video clip.
1: This way, Congressman. Frustrating, isn't it? My name is Thompson. Whatever happened to free will? We actually tried free will before. After taking you from hunting and gathering to the height of the Roman Empire, we stepped back to see how you'd do on your own. You gave us the Dark Ages for five centuries. Until finally we decided we should come back in. The... Chairman thought that maybe we just needed to do a better job with teaching you how to ride a bike Before taking the training modes off again So we gave you the Renaissance the Enlightenment the Scientific Revolution for 600 years. We taught you to control your impulses with reason then in 1910 We stepped back again. within 50 years You'd brought us World War one The depression fascism holocaust and capped it off by bringing the entire planet to the brink of destruction in the cuban missile crisis at that point a decision was taken to step back in again before you did something that even we couldn't fix you don't have free will David you have the appearance of free will you expect me to believe that I make decisions every day You have free will over which toothpaste you use or which beverage to order at lunch, but humanity just isn't mature enough to control the important things. So you handle the important things. Well, the last time I checked, the world's a pretty screwed up place. It's still here. If we'd left things in your hands, it wouldn't be.
0: That's a scary video, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it kind of kind kind of, of gives you kind of eerie feelings. Who's this chairman? Is, is, is this God? Is this the devil? Is this his henchman? I don't know but when you look at this, he's trying to say to us that, that that society has been managing all this and there's forces behind it. And free will is only a myth. Hmm. I think that's a lie. Yeah,
1: that's well, a yeah.
0: Lie. The whole thing's a lie. We're being told that we don't really, God's not in control. And as such, we've given away, we put our headphones on and we just put our head down and, and we're just running toward destruction. But in the end, the ultimate plan is that God has a kingdom plan. And that plan implies that we, have authority. We should be able to understand that there are there are choices. We are responsible, like I said, we are responsible for our consequences. And, 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 and this video tried to say, we're just a we're just a sum of the parts, but that's not the case. And we have to decide, we have to decide whether we're going to honor the chairman or not. And the chairman for us is God. Are we going to honor what God's called us to do and, and, and follow that? Are we going to be tricked into giving ourselves to the world? And I think what we as a church got to think about, we should be able to look around the world around us and ask ourselves a question of what does God want us to do? Does God want us to continue to walk away from him or walk more toward him? And, and I think what he's holding the leaders responsible for is they've gotten so greedy and so filthy and so so rotten that they think that there is no God and that they're just in control and that they're managing everything. And we all know that's a false thing. God is watching everything. He is totally taking account for it. And bottom line is the only thing we actually do control is our free will. And we can surrender it to the world or we can surrender it to God. And here's the, here's the thing I think is the biggest thing I want to get across as we get close to wrapping up, wrapping up this thing. Um, Are we any different? we know God's expectations today. Are we just selling them out? Are we putting our headphones on? And honestly, you and I, are we just unwilling, unwilling to do what God wants us to do? To live the way God wants us to live? Are we, are we not willing to take responsibility for the actions of our lives sexually? For the actions of our lives? How we marry? How we how are we not will, you know, we talk about the right of somebody to choose life or death for a child what about the right to take responsibility for your actions? Mm -hmm. You know, what about what if we took responsibility for our choices? What if we instead of doing what we want, marry the way God told us to? What if we what if we treated each other, not the way we want, but the way God wanted us to love each other? What if we treated each other as we would treat ourselves or love each other as we would love God? What if we balance it out? Yeah, what if we lived honorable lives instead of selfish lives? We gripe about the conditions of our world and our society, but we're trapped in the decisions of our own choices right now. We've actually built this world that we're in and the world that we're living in is not the world God intended. So in this case, in Micah, God says, I'm gonna destroy that world because it's not inhabitable by my people anymore. And in the meantime, I'm gonna pull my people out, make the destruction, and I'm gonna come back in after I plow Jerusalem and I'm gonna transplant life back into them. So there, there's some hope. Um, it was church, it's the gospel that transforms the world. The gospel changed the world. The gospel can change the world. It, it was the life of people breathing God again that brought the tabernacle back. It's Jesus that brought a new way to a time when they'd walked away again. And today, as we walk away as a culture, as a society, as we fuse ourselves in to other things, honestly, the only hope is not walking further into destruction. The hope is what? To turn our will back to the ultimate chairman of our life, and that's God. Yeah. Yeah. It's the gospel that transforms them both. It's, it's the only hope for us today. And it's the only thing that we can see helping tomorrow. The hope in Micah and the hope that we have is that we too are called to let the gospel transform us and transform others. And it really comes down to decision whether we're going to live for God or not. And we have to decide again, whether we're going to honor the chairman or not. And the chairman for me is none other than the Lord God almighty.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We either obey his commands or we're not. And 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 you know what I think we've got to all come down to this, we church we might in the end only be a remnant. Maybe we are. Maybe that guy was right at the city council that there's only eight percent of us that are have biblical evangelical orthodoxyologies. And 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 to his perspective, we look like we're worse than Al Qaeda or what? What do you call it? Al Qaeda or the whatever the group, Qaeda or whatever. He called us just like like we're right wing extremists. And maybe from their perspective, we appear as that. I, I, I can see that. We might only be a remnant of our total society, but I wanna say this to you, church. If God is on our side, who can be against us? Again, Daniel stood alone with Micah and, and Shadrach and Meshach and Amengo. They, they, they stood alone in a society that was going against them and they were able to push back at everything they said came to pass. God was with them if God is for us, who can be against us? Mm -hmm. If Jesus Christ is on our side, if God is on our side, then wasn't a child's lunch enough to feed people the size of a stadium? Maybe we're just gonna have to make a stand and trust that God will have our backs. So I hope you've enjoyed Micah 3. Micah has been just an incredible, it's tough, isn't it? Because he not just holds society, but he holds leaders available. And in some ways, we're all leaders in this room. We we lead in the church, uh, we lead in our homes, we lead in our communities, and we are partly responsible for the state of our society. Well, we're we're a royal priesthood. We are a royal priesthood, and I I don't think we're doing well. I don't think Beth and I are trying to make these bad things happen. I think we're doing the best we can to 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 offer Christ in a situation. But I'd be honest with you. At times, I just want to put my headphones on, yeah. and I understand why you want to do that. Maybe out there, but but God so loved the world that He gave us a chance in Jesus Christ that we, that we don't have to perish and we have got to make a turnaround. We have got to plant our feet and go, you know what? Maybe the world is going to hell in a handbasket and maybe God will hold it accountable, but he'll also protect the remnant. I want to be that remnant. I want you to be that remnant. I want us to be that remnant and I want us to be remnant makers. There's other people out there that God wants to pull aside and pull out and free will allows people to do it. Somebody just needs to present them a choice and that choice is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Micah didn't have the benefit of that. Micah just had to say, here's what's happening and here comes the fireball." We have a chance to offer people the hope of Jesus Christ, and he can stem everything. And so we'll be back in the next episode, and we're gonna go a little bit deeper. Uh, This is some good stuff here, we'll get a little deeper, we'll have a little more discussion here. And when we come back in part four, Micah chapter four through 13, we're gonna look a little deeper into more of the rebuke. And then eventually, there's a bigger chapter. You remember in the first cycle, we had like chapter one, all the way through chapter two, verse 10 was the rebuke. And then we got two verses of hope. Let me tell you, in cycle, Number two, we're gonna get a whole chapter of hope. So I know it's been rough. We need some hope, don't we? (laughs) If you'll come back in part four, we are not just gonna give you a little more of the rebuke. We're gonna give you a whole chapter about how you can be a part of the family of God and help us turn the tide here. Uh, Listen, Micah gave a warning, it all happened. Jesus Christ gave us an assignment. We need to go out and do that assignment so this doesn't happen again. You can join us at onthedoc.org at any time and find out more about our platforms and programs. Info at onthedoc.org is our email address and go watch on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, Sermonet, and we would love to hear your thoughts on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, and Getter, those are our social media sites, and we would love to talk to you about some of the things that you're, you're doing there. We Church, we need to use, listen, we need to use our witness, we need to use our platforms, we need to use our God's World Changers, that's our social media sites, so we can share that God, Jesus is the ultimate Kingdom Transformer. So let's use all in the OnTheDoc to do that, share this with others. I know God seems like He's against us here in what we've read really not. He's trying to let us know that we've walked away from him. And if we'll turn to him, he'll get us aside. So if you find us on these platforms, hey, hit subscribe, like, and notify. We'd love to have you as a Patreon partner or sponsor. And hey, you're always welcome to come out to church with us at Community Faith Church if you don't have a local church home, 10 o'clock on Sundays, Wednesdays 6 630. You can find us at coftv.com. You can come to our live campus if you're here locally, if you're out of the area, join us on our virtual campus. We broadcast live on Sundays and Wednesdays, 10 o'clock and 630. You can also come live and you can find us on Facebook. YouTube, and Rumble, as well as SermonNet. Download the Community Faith Church channel, and you'll find us on all those. We look forward to having you. So we'll be back in this for part four of this in chapter four, and we look forward to seeing you. Thank you for being a part of the discussion. We'll see you back soon. Thank you, uh, Donna. Thank you, Mother Beth. Yes. Thank you, Lucas. And we'll be back for the next section soon of Micah live humbly on The Dock with Pastor John. God bless.